the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Firing Line. The Firing Line radio show is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range, CCW Safe, Moppin Financial Advisors, Cutting Edge Bullets for when you care enough to send the very best, Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, and Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics. And now your host, Philip Naiman. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. Hello, folks. Welcome to another edition of Firing Lion Radio Show. This is Philip Naiman coming to you on a fantastic Saturday here in the latter part of October. I hope you're all having a great month as we have. Joining me on this show, I have Steve Carlson. Steven Carlson from Native Armory in Rialto. Steve, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing good. We're going to talk a lot about what you guys do and some special things are coming up on November 4th at your store uh, over there in Rialto. Also, your partner here, Derek Araguin. That's correct. Say that correctly? Yep. Write that down because I will butcher it the rest of the show. I I only get one shot at getting a name correctly, and that was it. So we could call you Derek. Sounds good. Derek Araguin, Native Armory, Rialto. I also have, uh, on my right, your left, if you're playing along at home here, I have Paul Spriggs from the San Bernardino Police Department, and I have Jason Stack. Both of these guys went to the International Sniper Challenge in Atlanta, Georgia last week, and we're going to talk about that in the second through fourth segments of the show. So, guys, welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Hey, thank you for your service, guys. Okay, hey, um, if you've not been on our website before, go to FiringLineRadio.com or check us out on our Facebook page at Firing Line Radio Show or Instagram to find out what we're doing. But one of the things we are going to be doing November 4th is we're going to be doing a, a broadcast from your facility. Excited. Very excited. <laughs> That's because you haven't done it before. Once once you've seen me in person, you're like, what the heck is this about? <laughs> no, it's we're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, November 4th, Native Armory, your address is? Uh, 139 West Rialto Avenue in Rialto. Corner of? Uh, Rialto, uh, Rialto Avenue in Riverside. Okay, so it's pretty far north. Right, right downtown. Right yeah. right smack in the middle. Just so. just up from Don's Bikes. Yeah, just up. Yeah, right there. Yeah. Very good. So Native Armory has kind of got a unique name. Can you tell me about that? Well, uh, my business partner and I, uh, she happens to be Native American. Um, so we uh, <laughs> named the company Native Arms. Um, she is a female Native American uh, uh, AR manufacturer here in Rialto. So you're an um, AR manufacturer? Yeah, well, we, we, we're not uh, full FFL. We're going to be working on that pretty soon now that we have our storefront. Uh, but we do specialize in the AR upper receiver, all the other parts. Uh, we do manufacture the rails and some other parts, um, and we assemble all of them there. We test fire them, and then we, uh, we're in retail stores throughout the area. Uh, all the way up to the Bay Area, and we do all the gun shows throughout California. So you, not only can you get your stuff at your place, but you can find your stuff online or, or somewhere else, and your your uh, website is nativearmory.com. Correct, yeah. So you've got some pretty nice-looking uh, uppers. I did take a look at them before the show. Uh, got some nice stuff. But one of the things that people are looking at is, where do we stand with the laws this year? 
I mean, we had Gunmageddon and what's going to happen January 1st, what's going to happen in July, July 19. We don't really know. So many things keep happening and they're changing. But if a guy says, hey, I've got a Smith & Wesson M&P 15 that I bought over at Bullseye Sports and uh, is this legal? What do I do with it? He calls you up and what? Well, um, I mean, he can bring it in and we can take a look at it, uh, make sure that uh, he's uh, in compliance with uh, California regulation. Um, but um, we we have featureless um, butt stocks. Uh, we have uh, uh, components to break the action because the law says that you have to break the action and have a fixed magazine if you want to keep all the evil features. Um, otherwise, you have to go featureless. So what are the evil features? Uh, collapsible buttstock, uh, it depends on your muzzle brake, uh, forward, uh, um, grip on there, your, um, uh, your pistol, pistol grip, pistol grip, detachable box yeah. magazine. Correct. So all the, these are all the small, small features that are found on a semi-automatic AR-15 they're calling evil, even though the action is the same. Correct. Yeah. Uh. So, so if a guy calls up and here's what I'm hearing from a lot of people, I mean, my CPA keeps calling me. Philip, what do I do with this? I said, I don't know. Just wait. So um, the guy should come in there and says, look, I've got X number ri- X rifle. Here it is. I want to leave here not worrying about the California DOJ. Um, you know, it just depends on their budget and where they want to be. Um, there's simple fixes that'll cost you about 60 bucks, or you could uh, spend 150 bucks on a new buttstock and make it featureless. Yeah. I think the but, easiest but the thing point is, is going they, featureless. They, they can come into you. Yeah. They can just simply come into you and leave there in DOJ compliance. Correct. Yeah. Yep. We can help you out. So if uh, if you want to bring your weapon in and, and uh, it's broken down, uh, we can help you, uh, assist you uh, with that for sure. So gun store etiquette, folks, let's say that you have an AR-15 and you want to come see these gentlemen at Native Armory and, and get it California compliant because we only abide by all the rules here. See, we abide by all rules here at all times. So gun store etiquette is you park your car, you leave it in your trunk, you walk in, say, hey, Derek, um, I've got an AR-15 I'd like you to look at. It's in a case. And he says, thank you very much. Let me know. You bring it in, put it on the counter. They'll open the case. They'll inspect the gun. Then you can talk about it from there. But it's probably not best to walk into the gun store with it in your hand saying, I've got a gun. Would you say that's a bad thing? Yes, that's correct. Yes, that would be pretty bad. I'd imagine most people in your shop are going to be armed and uh, would not uh, take that lightly. Yeah, and then you walk into a cage, so you're kind of stuck. You're a sitting duck, you know, so you got to watch out. But uh, I just have a trap floor. Yeah. Huh? Hungy sticks. Yeah. Uh, the guys have got all the tricks. We have nunchucks, too. So <laughs> So if he puts his hand through the cage, yeah, you have we a nunchuck smack for that. It. <laughs> so what made you guys get into the, uh, the AR-15 market? Well, you know, um, I actually was manufacturing body armor in 2012, um, and I was carrying multiple other AR parts and uh, doing the gun show and selling that and and doing retail. Um, I had started another company uh, um, building the same thing. uh, And um, Do you have a machining background? No, I don't, no. You do now, though? Uh, No, I don't. We, We hire the right people. Okay. I, I have an engineer who uh, designed some of the stuff for us, and uh, we uh, bought a CNC back probably six months ago. Um, so we were able to do a lot of parts and then contract out for them, too. So. How, how about engraving? 
We uh, we do engraving too, yeah. Because that's something that's very important. If anybody out there has a, a 80 percenter that they built up, uh, you have to have it engraved. It has to be engraved properly with the name of who manufactured it, the city it was manufactured in, a serial number. Those those uh, marks have to have a certain depth and a certain height. Is that not correct? Yes. Well, yeah, it's a little iffy, isn't it? Well, uh, not too long ago, it was just um, the, the standards were to have a specific identification number. It could be X amount of numbers, letters, everything else. But ever since uh, all the new rules and, right. and laws and stuff, yeah, there's there's different you know requirements. So and so, if so a guy came in within eighty percent, or you could get it engraved for him correctly. No, 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 oh, no. Okay, yeah, because there's some laws uh, with the DOJ and and dealing with eighty uh, percenters and keeping it in your yeah. There's, it's you, don't want to, you can't keep it in possession. Correct. Right. You have to be a licensed FFL. Well, they can't even come in and you can't even come in and get it done, you know, as a, as a completed 100%. It still needs to be an 80 to get serialized. So at this point, we really don't know oh, what the system is going to be. So if had an 80 percenter that wasn't Correct. completed, then you could put the serial numbers on it for them. Correct. Okay. Yeah. That's an important distinction. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. So. Right. So what is the, the bulk of your business then? Is, is it strictly uppers? Are you talking about match? Are you talking about combat? What kind of shooting do you guys like to do? Well, um, we're... we're um, we, Not that we, anybody likes combat, but I mean... A lot of our barrels I, you know, are... Three gun or something. A lot of our barrels are two two three wild. And we have those all the way from seven and a half to twenty four inches. So, so not everybody knows what a wild is. No, they don't. Um, it's it's kind of more of a, uh, I guess you would call it a match grade barrel. It's pretty accurate. Uh, you can shoot either round, even though it's uh, two two three wild. Um, it's becoming so what, very popular. It, it is very popular. It's a great way to go. The wild is a W Y L D E. Yeah. So yeah. the wild means that the chamber is cut so you could shoot either 223 or 556 five, ammo and not ruin your gun. Correct. So, you know, sometimes you get a lot of ammunition is it 556 five, is it 223, who knows, who cares, it's going in the gun and then eventually that could be a problem. With the wild chambering, that goes away. It does. Yeah. And what what we like to do when it's say like you came into our shop, we try to find out what kind of shooter you are. So, if you are a competition a shooter, <laughs> yeah, that's what I heard. Um, if, if you're a competition shooter, we try to keep you with a 416 stainless steel. Um, if you're looking for the zombie apocalypse weapon, you know, we probably, you know, go with a 4150 chrome molly. So you getting ready for that? It's every October, I think. Yeah. Huh? Well, yeah. you know, the fourth is, uh, Antifa, right? There's a big oh, that's right. protest. Is it going to be rally in Rialto? I don't know. We'll see. It'll be short lived. Yeah, we have ammo. <laughs> the zombie and hot dogs. <laughs> I, I actually, I found a. Uh, I was at Home Depot buying some stuff, and I found these plastic tree stakes. And I realized that I needed to have those in my go kit. Plastic stakes to kill fake vampires. Yeah. So make sure this Halloween you have plastic stakes because the wood ones won't work on fake vampires. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Noted. This is important stuff. Write this down, folks. Yeah. It's good awesome. to know. Folks, I want to I want to thank uh, Stephen and Derek from Native Armory in Rialto. Their website is nativearmory.com. We're going to be there November 4th. Huge sales, right? Everything's oh, yeah. free? Oh, yeah. Pearl. Everything is it's close almost to free. free, yes. Okay. We have to tax you. Your mileage may vary, yeah. but it's like free. <laughs> we have free hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. All right, guys. Thank you. We'll be right back All after right. this. A message from Vince, the owner of Bullseye Sport Guns and Ammo in Riverside. If you're a first-time gun owner or thinking about purchasing your first firearm, whether for hunting, home defense, or recreational shooting, it is important to take the next step 
and become a responsible gun owner. We highly recommend that you attend a certified firearm safety and training class, one that will teach you the basic knowledge, skills, and attitude essentials to the safe and efficient use of your firearm. As a law-abiding citizen, you have the right to self-defense, and with that right comes an obligation to educate yourself on the laws and safety procedures needed to use a firearm properly. For information about certified firearm training classes, call Bullseye Sport in Riverside at 951-823-0211 or check out their schedule of classes at bullseyesport.com. Because of Bullseye Sport Guns and Ammo, we believe in safety first. 951-823-0211. Pull! Whether you're a gold medalist or new to the sport of shooting, you'll love Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, where Olympians shoot. Prado's shotgun facility is world-class, offering trap, skeet, and five-stand. And the pistol and rifle ranges are safe and enjoyable shooting environments with professionals there to answer all your questions. Are you an experienced pistol shooter with an itch to take your skills to the next level? Discover the sport of practical shooting at one of the monthly events. Prado hosts ISPC shooting events open to the public every first and third Sunday with Prado Running Gun Club, blending accuracy, power, and speed with challenging multiple moving targets, penalty targets, and obstacles. Prado Olympic Shooting Park is a great place to teach your whole family about the safe and effective use of firearms. Bring the whole family for an exciting day at the shooting range. Call Prado Olympic Shooting Park at 909-597-4518. Online at shootprado.com. 909-597-4518. AM590. The answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside and Cutting Edge Bullets for when you care enough to send the very best. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick. Hey, folks, welcome back to Boomstick Radio here. Philip Naiman, Firing Line Radio Show. And you know that every week we're going to talk about. Firearms, hunting, gun rights, everything afforded to the good Americans under the Second Amendment of the Constitution. And our faithful companion in the battle to uphold these rights has been our longtime sponsor, Vince Torres at Bullseye Gun Sports and Ammo in Riverside. Now, if you're not armed for protection or recreation, then Bullseye Sport in Riverside is where you need to go for small arms, rifles, shotguns, ammo, accessories, and much more. Now, after you purchase that firearm, Vince and I highly recommend that you attend a certified firearm safety training course. One that will teach you the basic knowledge, skills, attitudes essential to the safe and efficient use of your firearm. For more information about the certified firearm courses, call Bullseye Sport in Riverside, 951-823-0211. Visit their website, bullseyesport.com, for a schedule of classes. Because at Bullseye Sports, Guns, and Ammo, they believe in safety first. 951-823-0211 or tap the AM590 app. Yep, Vince Torres, he's a safety guy. Safety first. It's an important thing. Folks, joining me here, I had Steve Carlson, Derek Aragon from Native Armory. They were on our first session talking about what we have coming up, uh, our broadcast on November 4th. That's going to be a lot of fun. I'd like to see your shop. And uh, come on down and check everything out, folks. Bring your AR-15s. Get them fixed right there. Right? Yeah. So let's have an army of guys showing up with, with uh, instant revenue uh, enhancing capabilities. How's that? Sounds good. Now, I have Jason Stack. And Paul Spriggs, they're from the San Bernardino Police Department. These two gentlemen took a week-long excursion last week from the uh, what fifteenth uh, to twenty-second, but your but your competition ran from October sixteenth to the nineteenth. I believe the sixteenth to the twentieth, whatever the Monday through Thursday uh, was the competition. So it was four days of uh, rigorous competition, 
uh, out at Fort Benning, Georgia for the International Sniper Competition. International Sniper Competition. What was the farthest away team you guys had to compete against? Uh, I think it was either... Well, we had four international teams from uh, Germany, Norway, Denmark, and uh, Canada. So it was probably between Norway and Denmark and Germany. Well, there's some... You can get pretty far away in Canada to like from the top part. Uh, they said, uh, <laughs> yeah. they're about the middle ish. Yeah. yeah, take off, eh? <laughs> okay, so uh, international competitions, different countries. Countries. How about the the um, law enforcement side? How many agencies were there? We had four agencies from law enforcement. Uh, one was local from Georgia. We had uh, Department of Homeland Security out there, and then uh, one from Maryland as well. Very good. So, how many teams in general for the whole thing? There are 29 teams total, so the rest of the teams were law enforcement, or I'm sorry, were uh, military. So, so military, and this was a uh, invitational. Correct. You had to put in your application, and they went through a, a vetting process, and then they picked the teams that they wanted to come out. Well, congratulations for making the grade. So, Thank you. Um, this particular kind of a challenge, these sound pretty amazing. I mean, I know it wasn't easy, but I did see one that was going on, I think, in Wyoming, this uh, sniper challenge, I think they called it. And I just think they were kind of being a little on the cruel side. Like, here's a lake, you have to cross it, you get no boat. And so these guys had to put a dry bag in, basically strip down to nothing, and push their dry bag across the freezing water to uh, clear it. So hopefully, you know, in Georgia, you didn't have to cross any swamps like that, did you? We had a little bit of a swamp crossing section, which actually worked out pretty good for us because it was during the live fire stock, and our ghillie suits were pretty new. Uh, in fact, we just opened them that morning. And so we just kind of crawled down in the mud to get them uh, dirty and actually nat- nature looking. We did what's called uh, washing them to make mm-hmm. them look a little more uh, camouflaged in with the nature. So what was the swamp like? It was wet, buggy, kind of smelled funny. <laughs> but then again, we were wet, buggy, and we all smelled funny too. So we fit right in out there. Okay, How'd you guys train for this? Uh, for both of us, I mean, part of our job is just being physically fit. So we, uh, we stepped up our physical training as far as, you know, running with a weighted vest, you know, trying to do extend the mileage. Um, I know Paula did some other stuff with, you know, doing some firearm training um, with, you know, with the physical fitness part. I also tried to get as much as I could. Um, And a lot of it, I I would say our physical um, fitness part was already good. You know, we, we, we train a lot, so we weren't really too worried about that. Uh, the firearms training, obviously, we not really knowing what we'd be doing because uh, they hadn't given us the courses. Uh, trying to extend our our range out a little bit, uh, get off our bellies, and and start doing obstacle shooting and different platforms. So that's one of the things is, is when you start shooting at distance, you know, prone is a very nice stable way, and then they figure out in competitions that yeah, you could hit that at prone, but now we're going to mess with you and make you shoot. Exactly. Shoot off the yeah. obstacles, shoot in uncomfortable positions and awkward positions. Uh, a couple of weeks before this competition, I actually went out with you, Phil, to uh, went to the West End Gun Club for their PBR match and had a great time out there. Learned a lot from those guys. And the winner of that competition, Phil Vallejo, he's actually... Um, he's a heck of a shot. He is a heck of a shot. He's also an instructor for the West Coast Marines. And so he went out there and competed as well. So I was able to link up with him out there and uh, go into these competitions you learn what to do, but more importantly, you learn what not to do. And you see these guys shooting that are shooting phenomenally, and you just try to mimic what they do and their ideas behind 
they're shooting off the different platforms. So they're shooting off a ladder, shooting off a barricade, um, picking up target acquisition, uh, shooting instead of adjusting your scope, using the holdovers in the scope to get those quick, ac- quick, accurate rounds downrange. How are you guys scored on this competition? It's off of points. So you accumulated points throughout the whole competition, and so each uh, hit was worth so many points. Uh, different competitions that we did, we did about five or six competitions per day, and uh, they had different point values. So, like stages, you mean? Exactly, they had different stages, uh, but each each stage was a whole different competition. So they give a briefing as far as the rules of the stage, what we're trying to accomplish, and how many points each hit was worth. Uh, they valued. Um, further targets were worth more points, and also first round hits were worth more points. The fun part about that is no laser rangefinders. Is all uh, for the most part, it was um, unknown distance shooting. So that's where the scope measurements to make sure you have uh, you know good quality glass. Thankfully, we had some vortex scopes out there, uh, so we needed the range estimations. They were right on, and they got us some first round hits, which got us a lot of good points uh, putting down range. So the this is the HST, isn't it? Yes, the Viper HST. Yeah, I, I love this scope. This is the Viper HST 6-24. Now, this is a second focal plane scope. Correct. And so anytime, by the second focal, uh, second focal plane scope, you have to have it set at a certain magnification in order to get the correct, um, correct ranges, correct measurements. And so you have to set it on 18 power. Right. Uh, something that if we go back next year, which we're planning on doing, we'd like to get a first focal plane scope. So that way it can be at any magnification. We can start getting those measurements which will help us get uh, accurate measurements a little bit quicker and we're able to take the shots um, without having to adjust the magnification of the scope. I heard Vortex has a pretty nice scope, the Razer HD Gen 2 4.5 by 27 with a mill <laughs> reticle. I think that would be perfect for the next competition, and I need about a year of training with it to make sure that uh, we're good to go with it. Is that the one that's on my 3378 Beast? It might be. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's an awesome scope, but it's important that you had to learn that it's, you know, um, the second focal plane, you can use it for measuring, which you have to do when they take away your laser rangefinder. You know, frankly, most hunters, if you said, okay, range that they're, they're kind of lost. So, I mean, there's a whole different art that you had to learn, um, just for doing your own range finding. Well, not only the range finding, but the whole aspect of it, you know, going into this competition, we're thinking, okay, we're police snipers. Well, Looking back on it now, I'd challenge that we were police marksmen, just seeing the talent that was out there at that competition. They have so much field craft knowledge and ability that they can put into use in any situation to where they, they truly are snipers from unknown range estimation, shooting at night, uh, physical fitness, keeping their wits about them, uh, shooting out to long distances. They truly have mastered that craft, and there were some phenomenal shooters out there, phenomenal snipers out there as well. Yeah, as a, you, you have a level of respect for these guys but when you when you talk to them you know the humbleness they have and then the knowledge that they have and the abilities you just your respect for them goes through the roof yeah you know at the uh, at the west end they're doing their is it pbr pbs the pbr precision bolt rifle yeah i don't know one of them one of them rides a bull one of them shoots a gun i keep getting confused <laughs> I, don't, I don't know i'm not sure where, what kind of competitions you've been doing <laughs> Anyway, yeah, thanks for that. So um, you go out there. You could be a newbie. They walk you through. You know, there's not a lot of ego there. They might be razzing each other back and forth, the guys who know each other really well. But you can go in there as a new person and not feel bad. You're not going to do real well because you're a new person. But, you know, 
if you expect to win it, you're going to be sorely disappointed. But it's a great place to start, and it's a great place to learn things like the ladder or the barricades or the rooftop stuff and trying to squish your body into a little hole to shoot through the hole in the rooftop. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and they're very, very good, fun people. And so I think it's any time you have an opportunity to join one of those, don't think of it as a match or competition. Think of it as a shooting event and get involved. Folks, Philip Naiman, Firing Line Radio Show. We'll be right back after this. Are you an expert marksman looking for a clean, safe place to shoot? Or maybe you've never shot a gun but want to learn. Well, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range is the best place to work on your shooting skills, no matter what your experience level is. With 21,000 square feet of indoor range space, 35 shooting lanes, and an electronic target retrieval system, it means no line breaks and more trigger time. The friendly people at Riverside Indoor Shooting Range can answer all your questions about firearms training, self-defense training, firearm rentals, gunsmithing, archery, and more. And for the ladies, the Riverside chapter of The Well-Armed Woman meets there the second Tuesday of each month for women of all experience levels. Looking for a great holiday gift for the shooting enthusiast in your life? During the month of December, get 10% off a full year's membership or 10% off any gift certificate of $40 or more. Riverside Indoor Shooting Range. For directions and info, log on to RiversideIndoorShootingRange.com. That's RiversideIndoorShootingRange.com. AM590. The answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range and CCW Safe. Spartans, lay down your weapons. Persians, come and get them. Hey, folks, it's Mulan Lave Saturday. Philip Naiman, Firing Line Radio Show. Check us out at firinglineradio.com. All the podcasts are there. And you should subscribe to the podcast. Why? Because we have great sponsors who give me great stuff to pass out to you folks. So there's cutting edge bullets, there's Vortex Optics. Yeah, they got a pretty solid product, the Vortex guys. There's cutting edge bullets too. I've shot some of those that you've given me and uh, very accurate, good hitting rounds. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a very irritated 5x4 from Colorado in the freezer because of the Vortex Optics and the cutting edge bullets. Um, I think I had some of that for breakfast the other day. <laughs> quite delicious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, this, I just got back in Colorado and had a great time there. But check this out, folks. Sign up for the podcast. Get involved. We have a lot of information that we want to give out to you. We're going to have great sales here at Native Armory on November 4th. We're going to be out there and check that out. So here in studio, I have the Law Enforcement International Sniper Challenge Champions from right here in the little sad burning ghetto city. I mean, uh, San Bernardino, city of San Bernardino. I, you can't say that. I did. It's okay. Beautiful city of San Bernardino. I understood what you said. Yeah. Hey, uh, fire me, right? So, <laughs> Easy. I was born and raised in this city. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> you can run from here. Um, Jason Stack and Paul Spriggs, both these guys did a phenomenal job out there. We're going to talk a little bit about the first competition, which is really, he just brought it up as we went off air. <laughs> Would have given me a heart attack, I think. Paul, start that. There, there are a few heart attacks given during that first course of competition. Uh, so what they explained is we needed the competitors. We're all ready to go. I spent, I don't know how many hours, countless hours, making sure that my rifle is perfectly zeroed. Everything was adjusted. Scope rings were set up right, tightened down. Everything was perfect. Good to go. So the first competition of the day, they tell us we need to check in with one of the gentlemen there, one of the cadre, with rifle in one hand, scope in the other. And he had to say it two or three times for us to fully comprehend what he was telling us. And I, I'm sure a few tears were shed uh, going into that. So 
heartbreakingly, I did, took my scope off my rifle. Jason did the same thing, and I have no idea what my scope's gonna or where my rounds are gonna go once I put it back on and shoot. Um, I was running the Vortex, their uh, precision uh, match grade rings or high end rings. Um, so checked in and uh, put them back on, tightened it back down. And then the challenge was, you have seven minutes to zero your rifle. That sounds pretty easy, right? Seven minutes to zero but, rifle. But that includes putting the scope back on. No, you can put the scope back okay. on beforehand, <laughs> thankfully. You can put the scope on uh, back on beforehand. So you get out to the range, you have seven minutes to zero the rifle. But you don't get any points for zeroing the rifle. You only get points for hitting steel targets at unknown distance after you zero your rifle. So you had to shoot a minimum of three rounds at the zeroing target, and then you can move on to shooting the steel targets all the unknown distance. And so... Going into it, I had no idea where the rounds were going to go, so I was just hoping for the best. Thankfully, I'm shooting a Jim Gruning Precision Remington 700, and so if one bullet goes there, the rest of them are going to go on top of that bullet pretty much. And so going in there, uh, I did the first round, and I couldn't believe it. The scope was off half an inch low and a quarter inch left. Uh, so just a quick adjustment, and now I'm center punching that target, and I can move on to the unknown distance shooting. Uh, again, using the range estimation, uh, using that scope, I was able to you know, fire the first one I got actually first round hit. That was just pure luck. And then the other ones I would shoot and then see where the impact was and then hold over on the scope from there. Thankfully the scope, uh, the glass was, you know, nice and clear. I was able to see the impacts and then use the holdovers uh, for the second round hits. Yeah. I had the same, uh, you know, talk about the heart attack. I was, it was in full effect. Um, just cause this is the first time I've, I've used this scope. So not having any familiar or being familiar with it. Um, and you're running the same, the HST. Yeah, the uh, yeah the Viper HST. And uh, mounted it back on, and I just prayed that, hey, if it's off, hopefully it's not off too much, that I can just make a quick adjustment. And, um, you know, so when I sent my first round, uh, I was off, I think, about a half minute right, just my windage, just my windage, and I was right back on. That's amazing. Yeah, it is. I couldn't believe how great it was. So you guys, I mean, now you're running in this international competition, the Vortex HST, which is really is a mid-range scope, price-wise. Price-wise it is, yes. You know, you're you're beating the guys with the U.S. optics. That's just got to feel nice. It does. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it, it felt pretty good. But the, going through all the different competitions, and we, like I said, we ran about six or seven competitions each day. And after the end of every one, the guys in the military, the guys from the different uh, countries were helping us out with any little thing they could. There was no uh, withholding of information. Any information they had, they were willing to give to us. Mm. And so my hat is off to the, the men out there that just helped us out with every aspect of that competition, which also helped us to get stronger and stronger as the days went through. And we were able to um, start putting some points down range, uh, do a little bit better each day, and just get the momentum going and ride that momentum. Now, you mentioned a 20-hour day. How'd 20 that happen? Hour, 20 hour days. <laughs> yeah, it was multiple days in a row. Um, so first day, it's check-in. You get familiar with everything going on. And second day, which I think was with the 19th, not the, the Monday, uh, first day of the competition, we had to be at the compound at 0600, so 6 o'clock in the morning. Um, they gave us an instruction, which happened to be the uh, that first competition with taking our scope off, and we pushed out for the rest of the day. Um Lunch was MREs, which actually were pretty good. Didn't mind those at all. And then uh, we came in mid-afternoon, late evening, thinking we're going to wrap it up. You know, I'm looking at my watch. I'm like, hey, it's uh, time for bed. Let's go. And uh, before you know it, we're pushing off on a ruck, full kit, 
uh, with all of our all our armor, all of our gear, so about 60 pounds worth of gear, and we're doing about a two and a half mile run to the next location for a night shoot or a night event. How did they count the physical activity part? So the first place would get, let's say, 50 points. Second place would get 49. So if you were the first one there, you got 50 points. Exactly. Yes. And then, so last place would get whatever 29 yeah, 50 minus 29 yeah, is. They, they still <laughs> they still got points but it wasn't obviously it wasn't a, a first place uh point but uh yeah so we uh pushed out and did our first night event and we get back and like all right now what are we doing are we going kind of in that you know that unknown and uh we get back to the barracks at 1 30 in the morning expect to be back at six o'clock in the morning so we're looking at our clock like all right do i shower or do i just go straight to bed and you're like I, I need to sleep and yeah, need to sleep so we can perform good. And, uh, luckily I, I don't think neither one of us ran bad at all with two and a half, three hours of sleep. I think we're still, we've recently had children and now we're great birds. <laughs> yeah. So I'm used to just not having any sleep. <laughs> yeah. I'm used part to of waking up after a couple hours of sleep as it is. So, uh, now I, you know, we, we kept checking on each other, you know, luckily, you know, I got a great partner with this guy and, um, had a lot of motivation between the two of us and uh we always checked you know make sure we're both on the same page so uh and we did fine um with a little sleep and you know long events so how does the night shoot go in law enforcement our typical engagement range is about 60 to 70 yards out here at night or out there at night we didn't have anything inside of 300 yards so how were the targets illuminated or how did you see them illuminated? Yeah. I'm sorry. Did you say illuminated? <laughs> no. So we would have a competition where you have to go find the targets and with using your night optics and then uh, unknown distance, try to shoot the targets. Uh, we realized that we have a, a deficit in our training for using our night vision out to that distance inside of a hundred yards, 20 yards, normal law enforcement distance. We have our stuff squared away. We're good to go out at extended ranges at the military ranges. That was something that we have a lot of work to do, and we have a year to work on that. Um, so our equipment was good to go. We just need to f uh, familiarize ourselves with it to make sure that we know how to use it. So what was the what was the night optics that you used? Did it something you put in front of the scope or exactly. on your rail? It was a night vision that we put in front of the scope. I used a, uh, one of Jim Gruning's um, rails for my gun during the competition, so I could mount the night vision. One of the issues I ran into because I was running a um, a normal uh, stock for the rifle. I didn't have anywhere for the IR light to go onto, hmm. which with normal city lights, it's not a big deal. Uh, we're able to see something or if I need to, I'll just put in a spotlight the, on it in the boonies. Yeah. It's a big deal. And I think they ran the competition purposely on a week that had no moon. Uh, <laughs> I, I noticed the week before the moon getting smaller and smaller. I was like, Oh, we're not going to have any ambient light out there. And I was sure enough, I was right about that. So that's something that we're going to work on. Uh, let's we'll get you a giant mag light. Yeah, well, that well, you can't even use white light. Nope, no nope. white light. I they guess they had an incident uh, last year, year before, where someone was using a white light and it blinded out everybody who had night vision. That's called superior advantage. Yeah, yeah they gave it. <laughs> That's a better way to look at it. They got a lot of points on that part of it. And so this year they said no white light at all. Oh, interesting. Um, so yeah, it was it was a good competition, good learning experience, especially at night. Very good. So how how long were these rocks that you were on? They're all unknown distance. So they'd say, unknown distance, run, ready, set, go. The one before the actual stock, we had a two-hour timeline to where if we didn't make it within the two hours, then we wouldn't be able to participate in the stock, which is worth a lot of points. So each time we would just run and try to pace yourself and go as fast as you can while still leaving enough in the tank if it's going to be an extended uh, run. 
It's not the, no, I know I'm a little weird this way, but that sounds like a lot of fun to me. So, oh, it was, awesome. it was great fun. It was yeah. awesome. Uh, folks, this is Philip Neyman, Firing Line Radio Show. We're here with Jason Stack, Paul Spriggs, San Bernardino Police Department, the champions in law enforcement for International Sniper Competition 2017. We'll be right back after this. If you carry a concealed weapon and own a concealed carry permit, you need protection beyond the weapon. My name is Larry Vickers, and I am a retired veteran of U.S. Special Operations, and I now teach law enforcement, civilians, and members of our military in advanced firearm training. I train people to use their firearms in almost any situation, but I can't prepare them for what happens if they are forced to use a gun to save their lives. That's why I use CCW Safe. They offer membership plans for concealed carry permit holders, and if members are involved in a use of force incident, CCW Safe provides expert witnesses, investigators, and the best defense attorneys in the U.S. Yearly plans range from $99 for a single membership to $150 for a dual membership, and special plans are available for law enforcement and military. Members are required to have a valid concealed carry permit and must maintain their permit. Visit ccwsafe.com today. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino and Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? Hey folks, welcome back to Firing Line Radio Show. Check us out at firinglineradio.com or on Facebook, Firing Line Radio Show, or at Firing Line Radio on Instagram or wherever else we're at. You can run into us pretty much anywhere, but check this out. Native Armory, we're going to be out there in Rialto next Saturday, November 4th. We're going to see Stephen and Derek. Um, going to have a great show out there. So I'll be there in the morning, a couple of morning hours there. If you want to be there early, we'll record the show. Say hi to everybody out there. Um, but Derek, you actually had a couple of questions for these gentlemen. Yeah, actually, I wanted to know um, what your gear uh, requirements were to show up. In other words, did everybody have to wear plate? Yeah, everybody had to wear some type of plate carrier or uh, ballistic armor. So we had uh, we each had two plate carriers. Um, did, they, did they test it to make sure it was like level four? You have to wear it while they hit it with something? That was like the third competition that we did. Whoever stood there got full <laughs> points. If you flinched, you only got half the points. It was called the partner trust. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we each had a plate carrier that we had to carry. We had a ballistic helmet that we had to carry. Uh, we had to carry a tripod, a spotting scope, uh, at least one MRE, uh, three liters of water, uh, pistol, uh, magazines for the rifle and the pistol, and then the ammunition for the day. They would tell us how much ammunition we needed, so we had to carry that. We could carry additional yeah. items if we wanted to. You had a spotting scope? Yes, we used uh, Vortex, their uh, top-of-the-line spotting scope. It was a very nice spotting scope, uh, so we got that out there. That, that was on loan. I hope you realize that. It was yeah, okay. on loan. You're yeah. right. It was. <laughs> it's coming back. <laughs> we'll, we'll work out a deal later on. Um, and so... The gear worked out well for us. Uh, it was pretty comfortable. We've ran in that stuff before. Like uh, Jason was saying that we've trained in that. So we're used to what it feels like to run in it, to do PT in that. Uh, some things that I would change up are my boots. I had some of solo hiking boots that are pretty heavy duty. I would change those up for some lighter weight. Uh, people running the Solomons out there, those seem to work out pretty good. So I get something that's a little more comfortable to run in. Um, wear th- nice, thick socks, socks you can wear for 20 hours because your feet are going to be aching, especially if you have some hard-soled boots. Uh, you need that extra cushion in there to make sure your feet are taken care of so you're not having aching feet. Um, the As far as the plate carriers go, the ones we use are pretty good. I have the Diamondback. Um, I think it's the RS VP or something like that. 
and it worked out okay. It has a full wraparound for the soft armor, which is great for using in law enforcement. But for competition side of it, 511 makes a good plate carrier to where it's just a plate in the front, a plate in the back, and then the side are just two bungee wraps holding it together. For competition. So, for competition. Mm, right. Um, competition and rule movement. It would still be a good plate carrier to have if you're trying to move quickly and, and get through some areas. Uh, if you need more coverage, then obviously you're going to need a different plate carrier. Which one would you wear in the zombie apocalypse? I'd wear the lightweight one because they're not going to shoot at me, right? <laughs> so you got to get away <laughs> from them. something bite-proof. It's, uh, I think it's like number number three rule of zombie land. The slow guys get it first. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> it's a proven fact. Uh, so that's some, those are some of the things that we would change up. Um, we ran, you know, basic foam earplugs. Those work pretty good when you remember to put them in. There's one course <laughs> of fire where I could not understand why my foam earplugs were not working on this particular stage. They worked great before. Couldn't understand it until about five rounds in. When I'm not hearing anything, I realized that they were in my pocket. Uh, so that was a learning experience for me there to put them in beforehand. Uh, but I didn't learn it that well because during the live fire stock, when it <laughs> came time to take the shot, I asked Jason if he had hearing protection. He didn't bring his, I didn't bring mine, so we just figured it was going to be loud and it was the last shot of the day, of the competition. So Just send it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, on the words of Canada, just send it. <laughs> so nice. that was pretty good. Uh, any other questions about the gear? Yeah, well, actually, I uh, wanted to ask you about your distances. Even though it was, um, you know, undisclosed distances, what was your best estimate? Like, shortest to furthest? So I took notes throughout the competition how much I adjusted my scope. So going off the scope adjustments... Uh, the furthest was right around 800 meters, and then the closest we shot was maybe 25 yards. Mm-hmm. So, and anywhere in between there. Uh, the ones at 800 meters, what I would do is um, adjust the scope and then fire off around and then uh, see the impact, and then I'd use my holdover. And so I counted the holdover uh, and then added that to how much adjustment I had in my scope to get that overall uh, distance. And again, it's roughly within probably about 50 yards of that, of that uh, distance. How was the wind on a lot of your shots? The wind affected, um, they're they, probably, they practice in the high desert. So, well, yeah. And that was one of the things like, that's like an advantage. So if you're even shooting out to 800, that might be your only challenge with wind, but you're shooting a 308, right? Correct. We're shooting a 308, yeah. 168 grain, uh, boat tail going about 25, uh, 2,500 feet per second, 25, 30 feet per second. So if they don't have their range estimation down, that bullet has fallen off the sky at 800 yards. Mm-hmm. So if you, they miss by 50 yards in range estimation, they're hitting low. Mm-hmm. And it was better to hit low because you can see the impact a lot better than if you're shooting high. So we tried to underestimate the range a little bit so that way we could see the impacts hitting low. Um, As far as the wind goes, we did uh, one course where the time that we went, there was no wind. Everybody else had gusting, swirling winds coming from all different directions. We went out there, held dead center, and we got three first-round hits. And everyone's like, how'd you guys do that? Like, we didn't have any wind whatsoever. That's awesome. We had another we were shooting about 600 yards away and on a... uh, on a stationary target, and I guessed about two mo away for the win, and I was off by one mo away. Should have been three mo away. So you just see that little bullet sitting off there, just to the right of uh, of the target. So range or the wind definitely played a huge role into uh, some of those bigger shots, some of those longer distance shots. What about your elevation on your target? So above you, below you, stuff like that. So we uh, we had some. We shot of a black Black Hawk helicopter. That was that was pretty fun. So that one we were two hundred fifty feet in the air shooting at 300 uh, meters. Uh, that one, you have so much uh, movement in the rifle that we can't really tell how much you had to come up for, um, you know, because it was 300 meters from, from the ground over. So that's what we adjusted in our scopes. Uh, the, we did one where we shot from a pretty high tower, but we're also shooting out seven, 800 meters. So the angle wasn't too bad uh, for that one. 
So we didn't have any real high angle shooting that we were uh, taking part of for this one. But now that we said on the radio, they're probably going to hear that and put that into the next course of fire. That's nice. right. You'd be high tower shooting 40 feet from the bottom. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. yep. And so the partner part on that is holding the other guy's ankles as he's hanging out the window. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Don't let go. <laughs> I got you, bud. That's absolutely awesome. So um, there's other shooting competitions. And again, they are competitions or matches. I mean, somebody's going to go out there and they're going to win. But we've been doing this for a while, Paul, and, and Jason, I'm sure you have too. Um, just going out and shooting these as practice. You know, Avenal is, is one. And I don't know if that helped you at all in shooting that. It absolutely does because you get to see real time what your bolts are doing at different distances in the wind. And you have a lot of time to see that, to take notes about it, and so that we can learn from it. You know, we call our dope book our data, data of previous uh, engagements. So we know what the bolt, have an idea of what the bolts are going to do. Uh, one of the snipers out there said it best, you know, you could shoot 10 rounds and each round is going to do something different at those extended ranges. So shooting Alvinol was a huge help, a huge benefit as far as learning how to shoot at longer ranges how to get comfortable, how to get you know proper shooting technique, shooting position, the fundamentals for that one. As far as competition for this goes, the high high energy, high pace, uh, high stress. It's different, yeah. It's yeah. go to the PBR match like at West End Gun Club or some type of uh, PRS, uh, Precision Rifle Series competition, and that's what's going to really help you out uh, for this type of shooting. Shooting off of barricades, shooting at uncomfortable positions. You know, we're we're shooting at clay pinches at twenty five yards away having to cant our rifles sideways, shooting through a slat, because that's how they set it up. And, you know, it very well may happen in law enforcement or the military, so you're not going to get this perfect shooting platform. Somebody's got to shoot that clay pigeon. It it needs it. That's right. It's asking for it. You can't let it stay there. It's orange. That's that's, uh, that's a good color for the target. So it was a huge learning experience for us going out there. So let's talk about this one thing. You're 25 yards. You're laying urban prone. Your gun is sideways because it can't fit vertical underneath the slat because the scope is going to mess it up, right? Correct. So tell them about the optical illusion of shooting prone at 25 yards, where you think the bullet's going to hit and where it actually hits. Well, so at 25 yards, you have to uh, take into account how much your, uh, how high your scope is over right. the bore of the rifle. Right. Because at 25 yards, you're probably going to be hitting a couple inches high depending on the, the muzzle height. Um, so... Shooting at a, a four-inch clay pigeon, you don't really need to adjust it too much. And if you overthink it, that's when you start making the misses. You think that you have to go aim up high or aim up low. Um, so going off of that is just going to be experience of shooting that close. Um, now, turning that gun sideways, now you're wondering, okay, well, where do I aim from here? And you just, again, it's going to be experience. Get out there. If you're out there shooting your rifles in your comfortable positions and you're getting you know, hitting sub MOA all day long, you're not challenging yourself and you're not doing yourself any favors. So get out there, get in an uncomfortable position, shoot off of barricades from the cactus patch, from the cactus patch. So or a swing. So yeah. If, yeah. Yeah. We had one of those in that, in that one match. So if you're turned sideways, wherever level the top of your gun is, your bullet's going to hit in the scope, like low. So it's, it's kind of an optical illusion because it's going to shoot two inches or so away from your center of aim at 25 yards. Correct. It's just uh, just one of those weird things you don't figure out until you finally go out there and shoot sideways under a berm in the dirt on exactly. from the cactus patch. Yeah, I, I got to. I started that that match, and uh, I was thinking the offset. I'm like, okay, it's going to go. You know, my scope's left. It's going to go right. So I tried to hold that offset off a little bit. My first round, I missed just at the bottom of the, or I'm sorry, just to the right of the clay, and then set it back up, and I nailed four in a row. 
Unfortunately, it's only a five round stage. So luckily, Paul cleaned his. He, he hit five clays with four rounds. It's awesome. <laughs> we got the magic bullets. <laughs> magic. Um, and, uh, real he, quick, I'd like to say thank you to our department for their support, um, their encouragement. They really helped us out a lot with this. But we had a great time, and we're just happy to represent them and, and hope we did them proud by doing so. Congratulations, guys. And we'll see everybody on November 4th at Native Armory. When you have to shoot, shoot. Don't talk. The Firing Line Radio Show has been brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range, CCW Safe, Moppin Financial Advisors, Cutting Edge Bullets for when you care enough to send the very best, Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, and Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.